The Qatar World Cup is almost upon us, but are we in the mood for it or not? I'm Dan Burke, and joining me on this special One Football World Cup preview podcast is Matt Frolick. Good afternoon. And Lewis Ambrose. Hello. Hello, gentlemen. How are we feeling? Have we got a bit of a touch of World Cup fever yet? I know you were feeling it a little bit the other day, Matt. Have you, are you starting to feel it yet, Lewis? Uh, there's a tickle in my throat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But that, but no more at this moment. That, that um, could be anything in, in this in this climate. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm quite I'm quite interested to see uh, how I feel about it when it all begins. Um, but I don't know yet how that's going to go down. Yeah, how about you, Matt? I'm very excited now. As the closer we get, the more excited I get. It's a <laughs> month of footy that I get to enjoy with my mates and do some work and. I'm trying to just think about that as as a yeah as opposed to getting too bogged down in the other stuff, which is of course something worth mentioning and something completely necessary to talk about. Um, but yeah, for now, if in a footballing sense, I'm very much looking forward to to watching watching the games. Yeah, very much so. Well, you know, it's going to be a, an interesting uh, six weeks of football. Let's uh, let's not forget the yeah. uh, the very important issues going on in the background, of course. But uh, yeah, I think. Once the football gets going, I think uh, everyone's probably going to start enjoying it. Uh, let's begin. Let's mm. maybe this will get us in, in the mood a little bit more. Let's let's begin with a little bit of World Cup nostalgia before we start previewing the tournament itself. We've had a, an email from a friend of the podcast, David Aslan. Here he says, uh, if you had to relive a World Cup goal and you had to pick from one of these, which would it be? Uh, the RVP flying Dutchman goal against Spain, the James Rodriguez goal against Uruguay that pretty much defined his career, the Shabalala goal in South Africa with the Peter Drury commentary and the. South Celebration. Uh, the Messi goal versus Nigeria in 2018. That's his personal favourite. Uh, from those ones, Lewis, which would you say is your your favourite goal? Peter Drury maybe just tips the scales <laughs> for for Siri Chabalala and that. Uh, I think that was great as well because it was just the opening goal yeah. uh, and the opening game. I think that's really fun. When I don't remember anything that happened in the opening game in 2018. Uh, which is, I know it was Russia Saudi Arabia and that Russia won. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think it's very, very nice when you get like a great goal or a, a really big moment in the opening game. So I go for that one. Yeah, let's hope we see similar in Qatar versus Ecuador on Sunday, the game that everybody's <laughs> on the edge of the seat waiting for. <laughs> How about you, Matt? From that list of goals, what would you what would you go for? I'm going to sound like an absolute Debbie Downer here, but the, none <laughs> of them really stand out to me. I mean, yeah, the header was. You prefer a nil nil? Yeah, no, the header was a good <laughs> header. The, the, don't get me wrong Hammers is a great goal for all the reasons that Lewis said yes Shabalala's goal was fantastic the Messi goal versus Nigeria is such a what, what was it did it that wasn't even the one that sent them through was it it might have been the one that sent I them can't through. Me- I remember watching it but I can't uh, remember the specifics of the game exactly we can't even remember it it's really not unless you're a unless you're a big big Messi fan it's not that much of a consequential goal um Neither are the others, to be fair. So uh, there's a million more I could think of that would be a little bit more sort of relivable. So sorry, David. But well, yeah, for any, if I have to pick, then the Shabalala one. Go on then. I, I don't name a million goals because we've not got all day, but let's let's have a, f- a few more then <laughs> of your favourite goals. Number one, uh, re- de- definitely Owens against Argentina. I mean, yeah. that is, you know, an 18-year-old kid tearing apart Argentina and... Scoring a ridiculously good goal. That one comes to mind, obviously, as an England fan. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty damn amazing. Um, you've also got Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. That goal was it against Uruguay? Mm. Yeah, mm. In, in South Africa. Yeah, yeah, you got that 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 one that literally had never ending camera angles. Like every time I watch it, there's like twenty five more replays <laughs> than the previous time, and and everyone just gets better and better and better. Like that's a ridiculously good goal. Um, 
Yeah, you've also got any number of David Beckham free kicks uh, that, that have happened over the years. Columbia um, 98 was, the, was yeah. a good one, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Columbia, I don't remember that too well. I, I remember, I think I remember it more because I've seen it a lot since than remembering mm. at the time. Um, obviously, had a, a couple of free kicks uh, against, oh yeah, one against Ecuador as well in 2006. Yeah, there's just a few more goals maybe than than the ones mentioned. But But if you enjoy them, David, then... <laughs> Kudos to you. <laughs> Any you'd add to that list, Lewis? Uh, if we're talking messy goals, then my mind goes to 2014 more than 2018. And I think was it against Iran? He scored a last-minute goal, uh, like cutting in, for, like a typical. Oh messy yeah, position, I remember like cutting that. in from the right and and whipping it into the far corner. And it's like the very last minute of the game. So I think if I'm if I think of Messi at the World Cup scoring a goal, that's the one that comes to mind for me. Yeah. I was uh, I was thinking of the Argentina goal against was it Serbia the twenty six pass one at the two thousand two Cambiasso uh, Cambiasso yeah. right yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah well it would be remiss of me not to mention Dennis Bergkamp's goal against Argentina absolutely yeah good yeah. shout <laughs> I was just going to shout a shout for North Korea and they scored against Brazil <laughs> just the, when yeah 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 that was it they just scored against Brazil because <laughs> Mykon scored from like the the byline in that game didn't he yeah, yeah some he like did. crazy angle oh yeah and. Uh, yeah, that, that was... I thought you were going to say North Korea in 1966 for a second then. I thought I didn't realise you were that old. Man. <laughs> I remember it well, mate. I remember it well. <laughs> uh, David also says, also, will we ever see a better World Cup than the 2010 World Cup in South Africa? I feel like we peaked and it's been downhill ever since now. Personally, I think the 2014 World Cup was better than that. And I thought, I don't know if the 2018 World Cup was, but I don't know if I would hold up the 2010 World Cup as the, the peak of what the World Cup at its powers. The the World Cup of all World Cups. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm with you on 2014. Definitely, mm. I thought that was a great World yeah. Cup. Yeah, me too. I, 2014 was brilliant. I actually quite enjoyed 2006. Um, I thought some really stunning performances there. And there was a real kind of dying of the light for many players that we'd grown up with in the late 90, 90s, early 2000s. Um, that you know, a few players ended their career there, and I just yeah, 2006 was nice as well. Yeah. Maybe we're just really old, and David is is you know is a youngun. Maybe yeah. He remembers yeah. the 2010 World Cup as his first one. Well, I was going to say, bear in mind that we're all in our 20s and 30s. What would you say is your favourite World Cup in your lifetime? I would I would go with 2014 personally. Mm. Um, yeah, I thought 2014 was great. The times of the games were great as well. It's like uh, I can't remember now what time the games were, but it was sort of all afternoon yeah. and evening going, and then there was like a few group date group games that started at sort of like midnight in England um, but that was only a few of them but otherwise they were sort of perfectly timed for yeah. our time zone I've got a real soft spot for the 2002 World Cup personally for this, for the kind of opposite reason of that getting that, up in the morning yeah, the, 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 uh, the, the kickoff times were outrageously weird and I just like that that you could watch a game at like 7 o'clock <laughs> in the morning I remember getting up to watch China versus Costa Rica at 7 o'clock in the morning I don't know why but I enjoyed it <laughs> <laughs> some child did you add yeah <laughs> <laughs> any any you'd add to that, Matt? Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd probably go, yeah, 2018, purely for England making it to the semi-final. You know, a lot of good, <laughs> lot of good memories, a lot of fun, a lot of fun watching it. I had, and uh, yeah, I'd probably say 2018, not overall, but just from an England perspective. Fair enough, fair enough. Right, well, let's uh, let's get stuck into this World Cup. Then we're gonna we're gonna go through the groups uh, today, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll sort of make a few points along the way. And we're also going to be uh, making a few predictions along the way as well. So let's begin with Group A, 
which is, uh, of course, uh, Senegal, Netherlands, Ecuador, and hosts Qatar. We'll start with the Netherlands. Are you expecting much from them uh, this tournament, Lewis? They did, they did pretty well at the, the Euros a couple of years ago. Yeah, I'd probably have them as favourites for the group, uh, especially with Sadio Mane potentially missing, well, at least the first game, probably a couple. Mm. So I think you'd be quite disappointed from the Netherlands. If you look at their team on paper, if they didn't get through relatively comfortably here, I I think they're, they've got a really good side. Um, yeah, I, I'm a little bit suspect of, uh, or I think Louis van Hull is a little <laughs> bit suspect as a person sometimes, <laughs> but, but also as a football coach. With his lucky um, orange underpants, yeah. With his yeah, which he which he wears not because he's superstitious, but because his wife bought them and he didn't want to upset her. Um, apparently, <laughs> I don't think it needed that level of yeah, explanation yeah, yeah. from him. But we never need the level of anything that we get from Louis Van Gaal, and he provides it anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, but I think the Dutch, you know, on paper the the team's brilliant. The, the spine of the side it makes a lot of sense. You can see them defensively solid. Van Dijk at the back, De Ligt at the back. Frankie de Jong in midfield, uh, Cody Gakpo and uh, Memphis Depay sort of leading the line, if you like. I think there's enough players there in enough different positions that they could go really, really far um, and definitely ease out the group. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lewis mentioned Senegal there, Matt, with uh, without Sadio Mane for, well, they said at least a couple of games, maybe the entire group stage. Is that going to be a massive problem for them, you think, that could hinder their chances of getting out of this group? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a team without their star player, so yes, I, I would say so. I know they've got they've got some decent players in the squad. They've of course got Edouard Mendy, you know, Koulibaly in front of them, um, got Abu Diallo as well, and just again to the midfield. Um, I think they've got a good enough team for this particular group, considering Ecuador and Qatar are the other two. Without you know too much disrespect to them. If they were in a bit of a tougher group or if they, you know, managed to make it through to the knockout stages, they'd immediately struggle without Mane. I think they could pick up one or two results, um, definitely against Qatar. But yeah, without Mane, it's it's very difficult to see them going any further. And if they're going to rush him back for the final game, that could then sort of have knock-on effects that he might injure himself again. Um for, for a potential last 16 tie. So, yeah, I think they're really going to struggle, as, like I said, many teams would without a star player. Yeah, yeah. And what about the uh, the other two in that group, Lewis? I mean, we've got Ecuador. They've got some got some decent players. I don't know if we're expecting too much from mm. them. Also, Qatar, um, the hosts, of course. You know, they might be used to playing in that climate a little bit more than other teams. Could, could either of those teams spring a bit of a surprise, would you say? I think there's a few quality players for Ecuador. You look at the squad and there's players that we're familiar with. Hincapi at Bayer Leverkusen is a really good centre-half. Moises Caicedo has been so good at Brighton that he's been linked with pretty much every Premier League club that's above Brighton (laughs) at the table over the last 12 months or so. Um, You know, so I think there's there's definitely quality there. If it's enough to, to take points off of the Netherlands or off of Senegal, I don't know. And Qatar, I guess, usually you'd never you'd always say the hosts are going to have a really great atmosphere behind them and you know maybe that momentum and the party atmosphere carries them through. But I, I have no idea if any of that's going to exist at this World Cup. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really not sure. Um, still at the same time, obviously, especially if Sadio Mane is out, the, those two teams will be looking at the opening game on Sunday and thinking whoever wins that one will only then have to maybe spring one surprise yeah. and or, or hold on and, and get a really hard-earned point against one of the two favourites in the group and and you're done. You know, it's not 
it's not quite the Champions League where you get home and away and you get more chances to make up for drop points. It's one bad result and that could be it for you. So I'm sure that's how both of those teams will be looking at it. And whichever of them, if one of them wins on Sunday, that'll be a massive boost. I can't believe, by the way, that Enna Valencia is still playing for Ecuador. (laughs) I thought he was a lot older, but he's 33. And I'm just just checking. He's got 13 goals in 12 games this season in the league for Fenerbahce. Oh, Fenerbahce, I was going to oh, say. That's where the goals yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not West Ham anymore. That was years ago, Dan. He, he absolutely um, <laughs> reeks of the Turkish, Turkish Super League, that guy, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, maybe he's got a goal or, or goal or seven in him. <laughs> maybe so, yeah, yeah. Seven, Miroslav closer, we're coming for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, we're go- I've, got, I've got a little interactive World Cup wall chart here that we're going to do. Uh, we're going to decide on committee exactly how this group is going to play out. So, are we all agreed that the Netherlands are going to top this group? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No disagreement there. Who are we going to go second then? Senegal? Yeah. 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 There's still a lot of quality even without Sadio Mane, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, yeah. And then third and fourth. I would personally go Ecuador third, Qatar fourth. That seems to be logical. Any yeah, disagreements yeah, there? That seems to be, yeah. Right. That one was easy. Okay, moving on to Group B. So we've got England, Iran, USA, and Wales. Let's uh, let's talk about England first. Matt, are you uh, are you st- starting to feel a bit more confident about England's chances of uh, making something of this World Cup as we approach it? Ooh, um, yes and no. Yes, because I think the group obviously football isn't played on paper, as we add another <laughs> cliche to the list. Uh, but but certainly looking at it from a squad strength position, then England should be winning the group. As from there on out, absolutely anything could happen in the knockout stages. So I wouldn't say I'm overly hopeful for the whole tournament, but I think certainly if we're just looking at the group stage, and yeah, they should, they should definitely, they should definitely be winning the group. Yeah, well, let's see about that, shall we? Uh, they are the famous last words. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of talk mm. about how how England might line up, Lewis, uh, going into the tournament. Um, you know, it's a bit of a toss of a coin what Gareth Southgate's going to do in certain areas. I was I was wondering who you think should be England's kind of most important player. Who is the first name on the team sheet for England? Would you say? I mean, I guess Harry Kane is. In terms of a player being undroppable and a player that's guaranteed to play every game, if you go if you look at first name on the team sheet that way, then I'd say Harry Kane. If you want the most important player, I'd probably say Jude Bellingham and mm. how he performs will be massive. If if England are going to sort of control games and have a lot of possession and create plenty of chances. Then I think it'll be it'll be Jude Bellingham in midfield uh, alongside Declan Rice, who's making sure that a lot of those things are happening. Yeah, um, yeah uh, I, you know, I I think the most important person is probably just Gareth Southgate <laughs> getting his team right yeah. because you look at the squad and there's absolutely no doubt that England should go really really far and and be easily one of the favourites to win the whole thing. Yeah. Have you uh, have you decided sort of Matt how the uh, how England might line up in terms of like the fullback areas? That seems to be a a, a bit of a question mark over them. Who, who do you think Southgate will go go for there? Well, I was I was thinking about this the other day. This only if he went to a back four would it make more sense to me. But I know that he's not going to do it. Hmm. So it would even then I think it would still be Trippier and Luke Shaw based on what we know I think Carl Walker said that he's out for the first game yeah that's right um, obviously there's injuries injuries to Chilwell uh, Trippier has been in brilliant form um, I can see Trent Alexander-Arnold actually getting a shot with all the injuries at the minute but yeah certainly in the left back position you know I think Shaw's been okay but I would I would see it as a big call if he went Trent at right back and put Trippier over to the left ahead of 
a fully fit Shaw who is also left-footed. So, yeah, yeah probably those two at fullback. I reckon we'll see Bukayo Saka play left wing back. Do you reckon? Mm. <laughs> I'm not so sure. Yeah, He's think... tried it once or twice, but in a World Cup? That seems like a waste of Saka I, to I, me. I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, massive. I agree. I, I, I definitely agree, but... Um... I reckon that's where we'll see him. And it sort of solves an issue of who do you not play in the in the front three to sort of get Saka in the team. And, you know, maybe maybe it means Foden or Grealish can play as well. So I reckon we'll see Saka at left wing back. Yeah, not a bad shout, not a bad shout. Uh, England are playing, uh, are playing Wales in the third game. Obviously, Iran first, USA second, Wales in that third game. Is that a bit of a bit nervy for, for England? Do you think, Lewis, a bit of a problem if uh, they perhaps don't take maximum points from those opening two games? Could Wales... Cause a bit of heartbreak there. I I genuinely look at all three of these games and see sort of banana skin potential <laughs> with all of them. I think like, I think Iran, the US, like Iran playing in that hot climate and it's the opening game and I think that's going to be awful for all of the top teams. Nobody's really, or only a few of the teams have played friendlies leading into this. There's not been an international break for a while. So you've sort of got to hit the ground running straight away. That's first off. America, there's a lot of talent there, a lot of young talent. I don't know how they'll all gel together and how it will fit together. Um, but then the Wales game, yeah, definitely. If they, if England needs something from that game, I think that'll be very, very nervy. Mm-hmm. And the Welsh will be well up for it <laughs> as well. So, you know, like there's quality. They took England in, in 2016. It took England until injury time to score the winner against them. Uh, Scotland obviously held England to a nil-nil draw at the Euros last summer, so it, it, we know it's always going to be a bit more tense and a bit more lively if England are playing one of the other home nations. And Wales have got that mixture of like tough organisation. They've got good results against good teams in recent seasons, in or recent years, and recent competitions, especially. And then there's quality with with Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey and Kiefer Moore. It looks <laughs> monstrous when he's in a Wales shirt, so. I think that could uh, could be a very very uncomfortable day. Yeah, yeah, it really could be. Yeah, are you are you concerned about uh, facing Iran or, or USA as well, Matt? Is that uh, are they are they potential banana skins for you, as Lewis said? Um, yeah, they are because they're you know weaker teams than England. But I actually think England will start quite strongly. I, I think especially a good result against Iran could set them up well for the group. I think that Wales game has the potential to be nervy, like we mentioned. But by then, you'd think that Wales would have more riding on it than England do, um, especially if they win two out of two, which I, I expect them to. I expect them to win two out of two. Maybe yeah. I'm being a bit too optimistic, but <laughs> but I don't see any reason why not to be. So, I mean, my prediction is that England will absolutely smash that group and then end up, uh, you know, coming up against better sides in the in the knockout rounds, and uh, and that's yeah, when but it'll all, also all unravel. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I mean, I think the fact that players, you know, have every player in, in the world is in the same situation going into this in the middle of the season. But I feel like, you know, in all those England players who are playing in the Premier League and, and some in the Bundesliga and stuff like that will go into this sort of hitting the ground running and, and the quality will shine through in those, in those early games. But yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see how it, how it pans out. Let's, uh, let's make our predictions for this group then. So do we reckon England top of the group? Yeah. Yeah. Second. Oh, that's hard. Yeah. That's really difficult, I think. <laughs> Think I would go Wales personally. Oh, I think I, I was going to say between Wales and and the US. So Matt's you have Matt's the casting, the casting vote, then, Matt. Yeah. Oh, I was going to go the US, which doesn't isn't oh, a casting a vote problem. at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I can also see Wales, as I say, between the two. We'll go with Wales. We'll go. Let's go Wales. Wales. I mean, Wales have—they've got to two tournaments in recent memory and got out of the group stage in both. Mm. So why not? Yeah, yeah. Let's go Wales then, and uh, and USA third, should we say? Yeah, yeah. All right. Group C, that's uh, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland. A lot of people tipping Argentina to win the World Cup, Lewis. Uh, obviously, the Lionel Messi factor is going to be massive for them. Uh, do you see them as as favourites or one of the favourites? And, and and if so, what do you think might hold them back? I Yeah, I would have Argentina down like to, to win the whole thing, mm. I think, personally. They're on this monster unbeaten run. I think it's 35 games now. Um, might have been 34 then they didn't lose yesterday. So um, I'm not sure what, what it's up to at the moment, but it's one or two games away from the all-time international record for, for games unbeaten. I, there's not much weakness, I don't think. I think previous years they've been so strong going forward and it's been a case of how do we squeeze all these players into a team? And they don't really do that anymore. And then it was a case of, okay, well, give up on squeezing them into a team and then just hope Messi does something. <laughs> but now it feels like they are a proper team and like Messi's a part of that team and not, you know, not either extra players are crammed in without thinking about how they all play with each other or, oh, let's just try and defend and then give the ball to Messi. It feels like they're actually a team now. They're good at the back. They score a lot of goals. They're, they're not by mistake uh, 30-odd games unbeaten mm. and winners of Copper America. So... I don't. I don't see any like obvious weaknesses or anything. I think Argentina are going to do really, really well, mm. and I, and I'd back them to win it. Yeah, I I think they'll be there or thereabouts. I'm looking forward to watching them. I do think defensively, maybe there was a little bit of a concern there. I mean, I still wake up in cold sweats thinking about when Nicolas Otamendi played for City. So you know, I, I, I worry for, the, for their <laughs> sake how he would come, I thought, come up under pressure. I, I thought there yeah, a little concern was a dig at Lisandro Martinez. <laughs> That's true as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> What about you, Matt? Do you reckon Argentina are, are strong contenders? Uh, yeah, they are strong contenders. I would say they are second favourites for me mm. behind Brazil, who I'm sure we'll get onto in Group G. Uh, but yeah, for for every reason that pretty much everyone can think of, Argentina are most definitely up there. And that's before talking about you know everything that Messi could bring to the table. And there seemed to be a real team spirit around him in the Copa America victory last summer. And it was kind of like a let's do this for Messi sort of vibe. Mm. Um, and, and as we all know, you know, he's coming coming to the end of his career. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that they could also rely on. But yeah, they do look a little bit more well-balanced than we've seen Argentina in previous tournaments. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I wouldn't see why not. They uh, It sounds a bit stupid because I think we will wait to see who they draw. But um, from what I've been looking at with the with the run, they'll come across some pretty big teams. So I don't think it would be a disgrace if they were to go out against, you know, another favourite, but they definitely mm. should get to the semi-final minimum. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they beat the UAE in a friendly on Wednesday night, so decent start for them, a nice 5-0 victory. Yeah. Uh, they're also staying in some student accommodation in, in Qatar, aren't they? That I, I read about that today. They've they've uh, turned down the opportunity to, to stay in a, a plush hotel and are staying in some like student halls basically where they can have uh, there's a big courtyard where they can have a barbecue uh, so it's going to be <laughs> steak and sausages going to power I, them to glory by the sounds of things I, I assume there aren't also students staying out at the same time I would assume so as well yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, That'd I mean, be the maddest if, thing to if, happen at my uni halls if Argentina yeah, exactly, showed yeah. up. <laughs> Students of the game, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the other teams in that group are uh, are Poland, Mexico, and Saudi Arabia. Um, I think it's fair to say not much is going to be expected of Saudi Arabia, but Mexico and Poland, I suppose they're going to be um, they're going to be going head to head for that second spot. Do you think the Lewandowski factor will be enough for Poland, Lewis? Yeah, I think Mexico always get out the group, don't they? Mm. Um, but I think this looks on on paper again. Uh, yeah, the Mexico squad looks quite old, and I wonder if they're sort of waiting for a new generation to come along. And when you're coming up against the team that has Robert Lewandowski, he only needs one chance to to win you a game. So that Mexico-Poland game will probably decide second place and Poland, quite simply, will have the best player on the pitch. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, so should we say, uh, we'll say Argentina top for that group and uh, Poland second, Mm -hmm. do we think? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that suits me. Poland second, Mexico third. This might sort of fire up any Saudi Arabian international footballers that listen to this before the tournament, but uh, I can't see them. <laughs> stick, print the podcast off and stick it in the dressing <laughs> room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll show them. <laughs> uh, moving on to Group D, we've got France, Australia, Denmark and Tunisia. Uh, France uh, obviously winning the, the World Cup in 2018, defending their title this year. Uh, do you think, Matt, that... Maybe they arguably have a better squad than than 2018. Um, well, maybe. I mean, I think missing missing France Pogba, not Man United or Juventus Pogba. Mm. Uh, missing France Pogba would be quite big for them. Angola Kante as well. Yeah, I could say arguably they've got a better team. I, th- I still think in attack they're so so strong, um, and they've added Karen Benzema onto it as well. Mm. Uh, from the 2018 team. So, yeah, it'd be very difficult to look past them. I, it, it, look, it's probably very cliche to say that France always seemed to be one one argument away from an absolute team implosion. Um, but on the field, yeah, they, they look pretty damn good. So, again, like we mentioned before with Argentina, I wouldn't say stand out, but definitely one of the favourites. And anything but last four was very, very poor from them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, look at the last three winners in Italy, Spain and Germany have all gone out at the group stage. Oh, that's true, yeah, the curse. Um, yeah. In the following tournament. So, I mean, maybe just getting to the last 16 is actually good for them. <laughs> I mean, I, f- I look at this group and it, there is some quality in there, of course, but I feel like it would have to be some epic implosion, even by France's standards, to not, not get out of this group. But uh, but we'll see. How, how mm. crucial, Lewis, do you think Benzema's fitness is going to be for France? Because there's a, there's a few doubts about... About that, he's obviously not been playing for Real Madrid in the build-up to the tournament. Is he is he going to be the main fellow for them, or is it uh, is it Mbappe? Is it about him? I, th- I guess that's the thing. When you've got Kylian Mbappe anyway, mm. then maybe you can you can get by without Karen Benzema. Uh, I get you know I get as Olivier Giroud will play if yeah. if Benzema's not available, but otherwise they've got Marcus Thuram's got the most goals in the Bundesliga so far this season. They'll have you know Griezmann's still there, Usman Dembélé and and Kingsley Coman who can play out wide. So. France are maybe if you compare to the quality of the the attackers in the Spain squad or or you took Harry Kane away from England or Messi away from Argentina I think France can maybe actually sort of body that blow a little bit better than most nations yeah, could. yeah. and uh well, they, they lost Christi, Christopher and Kunku to injury. That's uh, very, very harsh on him. Uh, they have called up Eintracht Frankfurt's Randall Colo Moani, though, Lewis. He's, uh, he's a decent player as well, and they've got 
got a lot of talent in that squad. Yeah, I, I like he probably won't even get on the pitch. Yeah. I'm imagining. <laughs> um, Colomar, he probably took, you know Taram as well is like I said the top scorer yeah. in the Bundesliga, and he probably won't get on the pitch. <laughs> even if Benzema's out, the list of names is is ridiculous. Yeah. You could play up front or or in the sort of wide positions anyway. So yeah, there's a hell of a lot of firepower for France. There's definitely no questions that there are goals there if they can find a way to to get everybody clicking. Indeed. Uh, I've seen a few people mention Denmark as potential dark horse, Matt. I don't know if that applies to a team that finished in the uh, the last four of the Euros a couple of years ago. <laughs> it seems like they've gone past that point now, really. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. Um, I guess when you compare them to the other outstanding favourites, then maybe they are a little bit of a dark horse. I actually don't think... I think they're comfortably second in this group if everything goes to plan. I'm not sure they're quite as good, though. As, as we maybe once thought, I think at the Euros they did exceptionally well to finish fourth. Maybe they punched over, um, you know, punched above their weight even. I don't know. I think, I, for me, I think they're more in a battle with Australia for second than they are with France for first. But maybe that's doing them a little a little disjustice. Is that the word? Unjustice? Disjustice? <laughs> Injustice. <laughs> Anti-justice? Injustice! <laughs> there we go. We got there in the end. I like disjustice, um, though. It sounds better, actually. Yeah. Exactly. Disjustice. Mm. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm doing whatever that word is uh, to Denmark, saying they're fighting with Australia rather than France. They've got some very good players, and maybe I'll be made to eat some humble pie, but I guess we'll see. Maybe so. Let's get some of disjustice. <laughs> <laughs> what about Australia and Tunisia, Lewis? Are you expecting much from those two? Not particularly. Mm. Um, I, I, I don't agree with Matt. I think, I think Denmark will be well well clear of, of Australia. Australia really struggled in the end to yeah. qualify. Um, and I think, you know, just because the, the key players that you think of with Australian football in recent years, um, sort of previous generations, they're going to the World Cup without a player, without any player who's ever scored a goal at a World Cup. Um, I think their, their goals four years ago were scored by Miller Yedinak and Tim Cahill, um, who have obviously both retired since then. So, I don't think Australia will cause much of a problem. I I would go as far as to say I reckon Denmark will win the group. Oh, because um, I think they like I know I, I understand why Matt says they may be punched above their weight at the Euros, but I don't. I think maybe historically, but I think this team's really good and they deserved mm. it. And if they play like they did at the Euros, which I don't see why they couldn't, um, then I think they could go really really far this this winter. I nearly said summer, though. <laughs> um, at the, but I think they could go really really far this. It is summer in Qatar to be fair. So yeah, like oh true. Yeah, oh, it's always summer in Qatar. I think isn't it? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I look at the Denmark team and I don't actually see. There's not a single position where I'm like, oh, but they look weak there. I think they look quite, pretty good across every position on the pitch. I think they're a really good team. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's pr- make our predictions for this group then. So uh, I think, well, I'm going to go France top position. Are you going to go that, Matt? Yeah, 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 France yeah. top. So you're outvoted on that one, I'm afraid, Lewis. Uh, but we'll, we'll, go, yeah, we'll go Denmark we'll second. It's fine. Do we reckon yeah. Australia or Tunisia third? I think I would say Australia. A flip of a coin. But, yeah. I'd say Australia. All right, let's go with that then. What, what do we know? We're just lonely pundits. Indeed. There could be plenty of surprises in store. In Group E, we've got Spain, Costa Rica, Germany and Japan. Uh, Obviously, Spain and Germany, the two big names that jump out there. Are you expecting them to be the top two, Matt? And if so, in which order? This is a tough one because I actually kind of think Japan might bring a surprise or two. uh, But against who, I don't quite know. Um, 
Germany and Spain, for some reason, I know they've got very, very good teams, very good scores, very experienced players. Both of them, maybe due to recent World Cup performances, I've kind of got them to both maybe fall short of expectations, mm. but they're not going to finish third and fourth while Costa Rica and Japan saunter through to the next round. <laughs> so so one of them's doing well. Um, my money would be on Germany to do better than Spain would. Um, I feel like... Uh, I feel like the German team, although both of them may be missing uh, what we, you know, what you'd say a clinical striker. Um, that's no disrespect to Alvaro Morata or even you know, Fulkrug's had a great season in the Bundesliga. I don't see them blowing teams away, but I see Germany more capable of not slipping up as opposed to Spain, basically. Yeah. What, what is the expectation around these two? Would you say, Lewis, like particularly Germany? Is, is do you think there's much? Uh, do you think Germans are expecting them to win the World Cup this year? I don't think so. I don't think after the the Euros was a really big disappointment, mm. and obviously it's Yogi Love left. I think there's an eye on the next Euros. Uh, this is a really, or well, largely a, a young Germany team. Florian Wurz isn't even there, but then you've got like Makoko up front. Maybe you'll play, maybe you won't. Jamal Musiala in midfield. They've sort of moved on from Mats Hummels at the back and Jerome Boateng at the back, and now it's. Schlotterbeck and Rudiger and, and Nicolas Zula as well. I think there's an eye on hosting the Euros uh, in in 2024, mm. only 18 months away, and getting some of those younger players' tournament experience before Germany have a proper crack at the one that they're the hosts for. Um, you know, not not far away at all. Yeah. I, I don't I, I don't think anybody would be stunned if if Germany or if Spain went really far. But like Matt said, like I can I could see either of them doing really well and going on and becoming contenders. But I could also see either of them going out in the group stage. I think there's that inconsistency and unpredictability there with, with both of those teams that, uh, and, you know, in Japan, I think are strong enough to take advantage if, if somebody turns up and is in a really poor run of form. So I, I really don't know what to expect from, from those two. Mm. And I, I get the feeling and speaking, you know, at, at one football to, to a couple of the Spanish Spanish people that we work with as well, I get the feeling this, a similar sort of mood around Spain, which is a little bit like, yeah, let's see what happens. I don't think anyone in, in Germany or in Spain is really expecting to go on and win the competition, but they're both capable of a, a deep run. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that Spain team. I like, you know, a lot of the players individually and I quite like Luis Enrique as a coach, but they can be quite sort of dull and pedestrian to watch, can't they? And mm. it, it can be a little bit like uh, not really sort of getting the best out of it. And there, there is a, a bit of a, I think, you know, like, like you said, Matt, no disrespect to Alvaro Morata, but there is a there is a, a lack of kind of cutting edge in front of goal there that, that I think has helped yeah. him back previously and could, could be the case again. But yeah, I, w- I would fancy both of them to get out of the group and then probably probably come unstuck a li- little bit like England when they, they face some quality later in the tournament. Um, I'm not sure what to expect from Japan. Uh, a, a very tidy dressing room, I would imagine. that you, you can pretty much guarantee that with Japan, can't you? And, and Costa Rica, so... Scott Parker. <laughs> oh, sorry, no, Scott Parker, Mark Noble, isn't it? Mark, oh, yeah. Mark Noble there. Like, the vibes from... Oh, yeah, yeah, he, he used to oh, sweep yeah, the dressing room for West Ham, yeah. did he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think uh, I think Japan and Costa Rica will, will be will be third and fourth. Let, let's go uh, Let's go. cards on the table then. Who do you reckon is going to top this group? I'd, I'd, oh, I'd just go for Germany, I think. Yeah, me too. I'll agree Germany, with you on that Spain. one then. Germany, then Spain. Then Japan, Costa Rica. Yeah, but I think I think Japan will run run Germany and Spain close. You know, mm. I think they'll they'll have a crack at it. Yeah, I agree. 
All right, Group F. Uh, this is a, a very interesting group, actually. Belgium, Canada, Morocco and Croatia. Uh, but there's been plenty of talk about Belgium's golden generation over the years. Uh, I feel like they might be past their peak, perhaps, Matt. They've, they've missed their chance to win the World Cup. Would you would you agree with that or are you expecting something from them this year? Yeah, it kind of feels like they keep hanging on. They just keep trying one more, one more go, one more, one more try for this generation. Um, yeah, I think their one hope in doing anything is really mixing the generations, is, is mixing the the more experienced players they've got with some with some new younger players. Because I was I was looking the other day, they've got five players, I believe, coming into the tournament with over one hundred caps, mm. which just tells you kind of how long the likes of I think it's Alderweireld, Vertonghen, Dries Mertens, Hazard. And it might be Lukaku, um, oh, yeah, Vitzel and Lukaku. Sorry, Vitz, Vitzel and Lukaku. Yeah, no, and Lukaku as well. And and Courtois has ninety. Yeah, De Bruyne is so on ninety odd as well. Um, so they, they've clearly got you know they know who their favourites are. They've got the very experienced players. Um, but then again, De Bruyne and Courtois are definitely in their prime. I guess you could argue. Um, so when you put that down on paper, some exciting youngsters. I think as uh, Jeremy Doku is brilliant. Um, mm. really exciting player to watch then Trossard as well it, it kind of sounds like I'm describing how you'd build a strong World Cup team right you've got yeah. the guys who have done it before and you've got you've got the the enigmas that no one really knows about at the international level but for some reason I'm not quite sure I'm not quite sure they've got what it takes to go further than maybe the quarterfinals if I think about the teams they could come up against certainly from an attack versus defence um, perspective, not not to offend them here, but you know I I love both Alderweireld and Vertonghen for their years at Spurs. But recently, you know I think Vertonghen's I think both of them are back in Belgium now. Uh, I believe playing their club football, and both of them look pretty set to start for Belgium. Um, yeah, coming up against you know the attack from Argentina, we've discussed Brazil, we've discussed um, France, we've discussed it's. Yeah, that's that's going to be quite tough. So I can't see them handling the bigger the bigger opposition. To be honest, mm. is Roberto Martin as a problem for them, Lewis? Is he a good enough coach, or does it kind of not matter as much at international level? Uh, I think he's uh, Roberto Martinez. I think is a good enough coach when the talent was there, but I don't. I'm not convinced by Belgium at all anymore. Mm. Like the the Matt said, the two centre halves there, the the two former Spurs players who have been great for the last decade, but they're both in their mid thirties. Hazard, you can't rely on to be fit at all. Mm. Uh, you, Lukaku's not been fit all season, pretty much. Um, beyond De Bruyne, I don't see anybody. When you look at the teams that we think are contenders or can go really far, beyond De Bruyne, I don't see anyone with that level of quality mm. uh, who I would actually trust to, to be available. And Courtois in goal, I guess. Yeah. Um, and with that in mind, and the fact that they are a team that will like dominate possession and, and go for it and be on the front foot, I worry for them. I, like that to me, that feels like a recipe for being sucker punched <laughs> and and suffering an upset or two. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, Croatia, we've got them in this group as well. They are, I guess, kind of similar to Belgium in that they they got to the final in uh, in twenty eighteen. Um, a lot of their star players are four years older now than they were then. Well, all of them are, in fact, but. Uh, uh, that's kind of how time works, isn't it? But yeah, uh, yeah. They're, yeah, they're certainly not getting any younger. I think I think we could we could agree on that. Has, has their day in the sun come and gone? Do you think, Matt? Uh, yeah, probably for the same reasons that Belgium's has. 
uh, to be honest, with Croatia. There's still some quality players. I think Luka Modric is still at the top of the game. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely fantastic footballer. I know he's 37. Yeah, for the majority of the rest of their squad, it seems like they may be on a slight more of a downward curve than the upward curve and really sort of pushing into what could be a strong a strong performance at the World Cup. Um, that's not to say they can't get out of the group because I think arguably they could finish top. But again, when we talk about the strength, for me, the strength and depth is what's going to be really key at this World Cup. Uh, the, the teams that can afford to rest a few players here and there or the teams that can afford to you know, have game changes within a game. Um, and I don't quite see it for Croatia, to be honest. What about Canada, Lewis? I mean, I've, uh, there's a lot of, I guess, excitement about Canada and justifiably so. It's the first World Cup for... 30 years, uh, you know, they've got some good players. They've, uh, it's a nice story, but are you expecting them to do much? I don't, I don't know. I think Canada could do something, you know. I don't know. Is that, con- is that surprising? Is that controversial? Um, but I, yeah, I mean, we talked about the vulnerabilities maybe with Belgium and I think, don't think you can take Canada lightly after they finished above Mexico and above the US, sort of two proper World Cup regulars that we're used to seeing and, and giving maybe bigger historic historically speaking bigger nations uh, a run for their money in some of these world cup games over the the last few tournaments if canada can finish above them in a qualifying group then they have to be able to go to a world cup and compete as well so i yeah i'm i'm actually quite looking forward to to watching canada and seeing what they can do especially when they've got two sort of big european names in the group with them in, in belgium and croatia because i think they'll fancy their chances of spoiling the party for somebody a little bit yeah i uh do we know what the status of uh, alfonso davis's injury is is he is he fit now i i saw today he was he's in munich still oh. i don't know why he's not with the rest of the canada squad but but he was but he was in munich but on on the training ground at bayern munich um so I don't know if he's just like finishing his rehab there mm-hmm. before he joins up with the rest of the squad. I don't know why he hasn't joined up with the rest of the squad to do the rehab while the the Canada players are, are getting ready. But they keep saying that he's, he should be available um, for the yeah. opener. So, so I mean, even if that becomes a bit of a tighter race, I guess we'll see him in the other two games. I mean, they're, they're playing at the minute, Canada. but uh, And oh, he's, he's not there, so... <laughs> no, he's in Munich. Yeah, yeah. And this is in <laughs> but, Qatar. I'm really interested, though, you know, to see him. I think he plays sort of as a number 10 for Canada. And yeah. It's it's just Bayern Munich left-backs, isn't it? We had it with David Alaba <laughs> for all those years playing in midfield for Austria. And now uh, Alfonso Davies has taken yeah. over. It'll be, but when you see a player who plays, it's always nice when you've got a national team and, like, by far the most gifted player is is the only guy who's, like, good enough to play for one of the best teams in the world. And then he plays in a completely different position for the national team because he's sort of, oh, Bayern Munich are like, yeah, yeah, he's great. We'll put him at left back. And then for Canada, they're like, yeah, yeah, this guy's our Maradona. Let's <laughs> stick him at number 10. Um, so I'm quite quite intrigued to see yeah. how he gets on in that position against top mm. quality opposition. I'm, I'm also a big fan of Atiba Hutchinson in midfield for Canada because he's 39 years old. Um, and has, <laughs> Is that the reason? Yeah, you're a big fan? The, the reason because I feel like it's a nice story for him because he's been in the national team for 19 years. So this whole sort of transition of Canada from being, you know, a pretty much a non-entity on the international stage of world football to coming all this way to, you know, topping the group and making it to the World Cup. I'm, I'm delighted for him. Seems like a top bloke. So Yeah, there's, there's hope yeah. for us all. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, what was that that graphic that you shared yesterday, Matt, about Morocco? Uh, have they got the most players in their squad who weren't born in Morocco? Was it something like that? Oh, yeah. There's something like 127 players at the World Cup representing a nation they weren't born in. Mm. And Morocco, by far, has has the majority. And, I mean, to be honest, France has donated about 60 players to the World Cup that aren't playing for France, <laughs> yeah. um, which is an ast- astonishing number. There's so many, yeah. but the, the, well, given... Given the historical reasons, yeah, no, no, I, I, Francis donated. Yeah, yeah, donated. Maybe is not the right word. Um, it's a real disjustice that. Happens. Yeah, that's a disjustice. <laughs> I understand the uh, the geopolitical reasons behind this, um, but yeah, Morocco certainly have got a, a a big a big mix of players. Rather, it'll be rather interesting one. I think definitely seeing that Hakim Ziyech has ended his feud with the national team. I know it was with the, the previous manager, basically, that he, um, he and was it Mazraoui, I believe, refused to come and play for Morocco under the previous manager. That's right, yeah. Um, and, and now since he's been canned, they're all happy as Larry and back in the squad. So it'll be interesting to see how they do. Um, but yeah, there's definitely, I just think it's rather interesting, rather interesting mix. Indeed. Uh, well, maybe this is, could be a, a, a real opinion divider on this one, but who do we reckon is going to top Group F then? A, Bel- a Belgian got the name on that one, do we reckon? Or? I, I think I'm leaning to Croatia, mm. personally. Um, but this, it's much of a muchness. I'm going Belgium. Yeah, I'm going to go Belgium, to be honest. Let's go Belgium. We'll go Croatia second, then. You agreed on that? I'm going Canada. I'll take it. Matt wants Canada. Yeah. Uh, okay. Above, Above Croatia third. Yeah, I'm going Croatia. I mean, you guys, you guys do your thing. But. I, th- I, well, I think Croatia second for me personally. And uh, okay, if Lewis we'll agrees with that, we'll go Croatia. And Canada third in that case, Morocco fourth. Sounds about right. Nah, it, it, Again, like it's a proper, like anyone could finish anywhere yeah. in that yeah. group. If, if, if Canada don't, don't finish second, then they're coming fourth. <laughs> <laughs> for, no, for no reason whatsoever yeah that's, that's how that works we, we yeah. could be all waiting all day for you to explain the logic on that one but yeah that is how the world <laughs> sometimes works yeah. <laughs> right group G Brazil Serbia Switzerland Cameroon it's uh, it's a decent mm. group it's a decent group um, yeah Brazil I mean you're, I know they're your favourites Matt I, you said that perhaps Argentina were your favourites Lewis but mm. Lewis you must be um, expecting some big things from Brazil as well yeah, Brazil are right there. I love watching Neymar at World Cups. Mm. I know I might be in a minority with this because he robs people up the wrong way, but I think Neymar has been brilliant pretty much every time I've watched him in a Brazil shirt. And I I sense that Brazil will think that this is their time. Mm. And you know, they look strong through the entire squad. They're solid at the back. There's depth. Like the attacking depth is completely mental. If you're leaving Roberto Firmino at home, the four yeah. he's in, and you've got, you know, Gabriel Jesus and Gabriel Martinelli and Vinicius Jr., Rafinha, Richarlison, Neymar, Lucas Paqueta. Uh, it's, I don't know how uh, Chich is going to like squeeze three or four of them into an 11 and then have to tell the others that they're not going to play. Um, yeah, I mean, just imagine being like a, I don't know, a right back and you have Vinicius Jr. running at you for 75 minutes <laughs> and then you see the subs board go up and you're like, oh, thank God for that. And Gabriel Martinelli comes on and, and does 90 minutes of running in his 15 minutes on the pitch <laughs> as well, just all over yeah. you. It's an absolute nightmare. Um, 
you know, or, or you know, the same in the other positions. Rafinha, Richarlison, one of them comes off, and, and Gabriel Jesus comes on, or vice versa. It, it just horrible, horrible to defend yeah. against the the number of options Brazil have. Um, I think they, and I think I hope that they'll be really exciting to watch because football's uh, all the richer when we've got a good Brazil team at the World Cup. Indeed, is that the strongest squad at the World Cup for you, Matt? Is there any, is there any weakness in there at all? Uh, maybe the fullbacks a little bit weak, but then again, I think if Brazil just go all out attack, then they'll be too busy scoring to worry about defending. <laughs> um, plus, they've got two phenomenal goalkeepers if the defence ever gets breached. So, obviously, not playing at the same time. Um, but yeah, Brazil just <laughs> <laughs> Brazil going forward are just far too Revolutionary. good. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, could that actually happen? They just play two keepers and nine outfielders. I'm pretty sure that's no, not allowed. Not. But, uh, um, I reckon Edison would do a job at fullback. No, you know, I mean, only if yeah, I was yeah. say only if you stick one of the keepers in a in a yellow shirt and make him play <laughs> without gloves. Can you imagine? It'd be like David James, but the opposite. Remember when he went up top for City? Good yeah, lord, I, I um, remember that too well. Yeah, though. I just, <laughs> I just, I just think with Brazil, yeah, you're right. Going forward, they're so good, and they have the thing is they have so many game changers. We talk about strength and depth in midfield and defense and keeper wherever. Those guys, it's great to replace one quality midfielder with another, but if you're not sticking the ball in the back of the net, it means nothing. So the fact that Brazil have so many game changers who can do that, and sometimes by themselves, that the, you got the guys who are able to to turn a game at the drop of a hat. And a lot of them that, that Lewis has just reeled off, like it's 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 almost unfair. It's absolutely crazy. <laughs> so I, I I agree that if you know you're watching so much football in the month, and if Brazil are, if Brazil are bang at it, it's just going to be so exciting to watch them. So yeah, I they definitely are my favourites. Yeah, it's a fairly tricky group that one though. I'd say sort of on paper it is mm. probably tougher than England's group really. Um, but you know, like very very even. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've got Switzerland who tend to do well at World Cups. They they usually get out of the group. They are capable of uh, bloodying the nose of one of the big boys. You've got Serbia mm. with with half of Serie A in their squad. Cameroon, they they've got potential as well. Who do we reckon is uh, probably the, <laughs> the the most likely second best team in that group? You wouldn't like to be a centre back playing ninety minutes against Mitrovic and Vlahovic, <laughs> would you? Like, yeah, they're just they're just gonna bash centre-halves around yeah. for for 90 minutes at a time. And yet Serbia, the way you look, like the, they look really solid. And then you've got those two up front. You've got Filip Kostic, Dusan Tadic. That looks like a really, really good team to me. Mm. Yeah, that, that that group for defenders, like you recover from the Vlahovic and Mitrovic <laughs> beating, and then you get ready for Neymar and the rest of them. And then you get ready for, you know, Toko Akambi and is Abubakar still in the squad? Uh, yeah, you. and then you've got Granit Xhaka's off the ball runs in the other. Oh game. <laughs> yeah, and you've got Milinkovic Savic running from deep. I mean, that group for defenders is you know it's giving me nightmares, and I'm not even playing. <laughs> so good God, <laughs> I, I did. I was talking to a to a Joanna, our Brazilian team lead in the newsroom, and she pointed out that it's the same group as 2018, except Costa Rica instead of Cameroon. Oh, it was Brazil, Switzerland, and Serbia all together in 2018 as well. Yeah, Brazil v Switzerland exactly. feels like one of those. It feels like sort of Aston Villa v Everton, you know, the sort of the game that always happens at the World Cup. Argentina, Saudi <laughs> yeah, Arabia yeah. is another one. It's probably only Apple once, but it kind of feels like archetypally yeah, World Cup. France, France, Denmark yeah. in the same group has that for me as well. That's just a very World Cup that's game. True, that's didn't, true. Didn't France, didn't France get knocked out by Switzerland last year? 
Yeah, well, the Euros. Yeah, the yeah. Euros. Yeah, penalties. Yeah, yeah. So they're on for a bit of a shock. I, I think they're pretty decent. <laughs> I, would, I wonder if uh, Italy will be adopting Serbia as their sort of adopted team, given there's so many Serie A players in that team as well. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise that Milinkovic Savic has a younger brother who's also in, in the Serbia squad. Oh, really? And they were born in Spain? Yeah, they, the they were born Savages. in Spain. Their, their, yeah. their dad was a, a player for, yeah, I don't pronounce it, Yeda, I think, Yeda, um, in the early 90s, and they're both born there. And yeah, his name is Vanya Malinkovic Savic. He's the backup keeper. I think he plays for Torino. Um, I love it when bizarre. one sibling is a goalkeeper. It's like the more talented sibling made them go in goal all the time <laughs> yeah. in the park or something. Yeah. 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 And what's funny is that Sir Guy's taller than him as well. So that's it's like how one sense. of one of Zidane's children is a goalkeeper. So he's clearly just the kid that the other kids make goal all the time. <laughs> oh, funny! Right, Brazil top of the group. I don't think there's any debate about that. Is the yeah? Uh, who are we going for second? Then should we say Serbia? I, I would, I'm going to go with Serbia. Yeah, yeah I I'd so. go Serbia just ahead of Switzerland. Just ahead. So Switzerland third, Cameroon fourth. And that comes to the uh, the final group, uh, Group H, which is Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea. Uh, Portugal, Ooh. I was pretty shocked to learn uh, recently, have never, well, only once have they got past the uh, the last 16 of the World Cup, um, which was 2006, I believe. Is that going to change this year? Do you think, Matt, all that talent in that squad? Oh, right. that, that is really some stat. You would have thought, I don't know, I just thought they would have done a lot better than that. Mm. Um Again, there's one of those things where you'd think they'd change. This whole Ronaldo thing is going to drag on. We, we've all seen the interview. We've all seen we've all seen the clips of him supposedly uh, being interacted, uh, sorry, interacting with it with his teammates rather coldly. A couple of cold shoulders flying around. If it ends up the Ronaldo show, then maybe they could go far. If it ends up as Man United, you know, sort of struggling to fit him into the team then it could be an absolute shit show for them. I wonder, because everything he's given to Portuguese football is obviously massive, I wonder if he'll actually start. That sounds crazy to think that Ronaldo wouldn't start at the World Cup, but maybe they'll be better off for it. Yeah, well, I was going to say, is that, is that yeah, like key I, to it, Lewis? Yeah. I don't... Th- Look what he's just done to the last manager that didn't start. <laughs> like, how's that going to go down? I don't think... I, I don't think it would be a bad idea for for him to for Portugal if he didn't play. I don't think it would be a bad idea at all. I think you know you see it at Man United. Bruno Fernandes is is better when Cristiano Ronaldo isn't there, you know, demanding the ball when he wants it, and and sort of you know it just has a gravity toward to him. I guess that the game sort of has to go towards him, um, and I think Portugal will be a lot better served by threading everything through Bruno Fernandes and Bernardo Silva and, and those players instead of everything having to land at Ronaldo's feet when by the time they get to the final third and, and into the box. But I don't think I don't see how you can not play him uh, because of the disruption that it will cause, unfortunately for them. It, it's sort of a very unforgiving position to be in, but I don't think they've got much of a choice but to play him and then try and figure out the best way around having him in the team. Yeah. They're going to play him without a doubt, I think, aren't they? And uh, yeah. maybe maybe this will be his, his swan song. Maybe it will sort of fire him up all of this stuff. Who knows? I mean, it's it's more of a Manchester United issue, this this sort of off-field stuff, isn't it, than a Portugal issue, you would say. By the, by the way, Dan, Portugal have definitely been past the last 16 more than once because they beat England in the quarterfinals in 2006. Yeah. 
but they but England played them in the in the 1966 semi final. But back then there wasn't a round of 16. There was it went like straight to quarterfinals mm. from the group stage. Maybe that's since the new the new for, the, the the current the current format of the World Cup. Then maybe yeah. that's what. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's, a, it's like they've played multiple quarterfinals, but only won one round of sixteen game. Yeah, or something. That, that, that sounds about right. Yeah, uh, Matt. I was going to say this is an, another pretty uh, pretty evenly balanced group. I would say uh, Uruguay mm. obviously always got quality. Uh, Ghana got some nice players: Mohamed Salasu, Mohamed Kudos. Um, Korea, I've got, uh, I've got Son. Of course, is uh, is this going to be yeah. a tricky group for someone to get out of? Do you think? I think this is the most exciting group <laughs> in in the whole competition, to be honest. And I can see Portugal not getting through. I am such a big fan of a lot of the players that Uruguay have to offer, and I, for me, they're the dark horse to really go far in the competition. I think they've got some good balance throughout the squad, especially if uh, if Araujo is fit enough to play. Maybe not the first game. Um, in the midfield, uh, Bentacle has been brilliant this season. The Premier League, Fede Valverde is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're looking at the, the attacking options in Cavani and Suarez and Darwin Nunes. For me, Uruguay are winners of this group. Um, and I think, like you mentioned, Ghana, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing Kudos. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I won't. I won't claim to to be a massive uh, expert on, on South Korean football. Obviously, we all know about Kim Min Sun and <laughs> he's got great talent. I think they can cause, cause a surprise or two. But, oh, for me, honestly, Uruguay first, Ghana second. That's what I'm going for. I'm going for this excitement of the group and Portugal to go out third. Wow. Matt, I'm with you. This is the Darwin Nunez World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Could well be. Just- like, I, th- I think Darwin Nunez has been, like, weirdly laughed at in England. Like, I think he's funny to watch because he kind of his limbs are a bit all over the place and you, and you never quite know what you're going to get. But he's just so effective and he gets on the end of things and he's relentless. Mm. And I think it really, really suits international football playing that way as well, or having a, a forward play that way. I think he could um, turn up and have a really, really and, good month. And all of this just in time for that super fans Darwin Nunes Christmas album. So <laughs> perfect, <it's> perfect. <laughs> I think he could spontaneously combust if uh, Darwin Nunez does well at this World Cup. Right, so, well, I mean, that's that's really thrown a spanner in the work saying that Portugal might go out. Who who, <laughs> who are we saying for, for top spot in this group then? Because I would have said Portugal personally, but um, we said Uruguay? I'd, I'm with Matt and I'd, I'd go okay, with Uruguay. Uruguay, yeah. Uruguay. Second for you, Lewis? It's hard not to say Portugal, isn't it? Like, there's just so much ability there that even if it doesn't all come together as a team, they should still win enough points to get out of the group. So I would, I would say Portugal that they wouldn't go out and and have them in. Yeah, second. I think I'd have to say Portugal as well. So I'm sorry, Matt, but your your boys Ghana are going out. That's all right. We'll go Ghana third and and Korea. I mean South Korea, they they could be decent as well, and uh, we're tipping them to finish bottom of this group. It's going to be a very interesting yeah. group that one. <laughs> Right, let's fly through the knockout rounds now, then, because we've got our we've got our our World Cup uh, wall chart in full flow now. So the first round of sixteen game that we're left with there will be Netherlands v Wales. We would reckon the Dutch would win that one. Ooh. Oh, Matt's tempted by Wales. <laughs> yeah, I really. That's uh, that. That seems to be the one where it could it'll be a very tight one, and, and these tight games and clutch moments, especially for Wales. Bale is just. The Netherlands feel prime for like some big upset. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I feel like there they could be something on the card. So for that reason, Netherlands easily. Um, no, no, no. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Wales on that one. Yeah? Lewis? Yeah, why not? Wales wow. in the World Cup quarterfinal. Wales it is. Uh, then it's Argentina-Denmark. Um, hard to see past Argentina there, I guess. Yeah. My beloved Denmark. Yeah. If you'd have just put them top of the group. <laughs> Argentina go through. England-Senegal. I mean... I would fancy England, but I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be overly confident. Yeah, my answer changes if Sadio Mane is fit. I think. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. Unfortunately, think... there's no option on the wall chart for Sadio Mane being fit. Yeah. That, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go England. Yeah, then I'm going to say Mane won't won't be fit then, and uh, and England yep. will go through. Uh, France versus Poland. France, I would say. France. France. Yeah. Germany, Croatia. Tricky one. Ooh. I'm going. I'll go Germany. Hmm. Yeah, I would go with Germany as well. Germany it is Brazil, Portugal. I think we're going to say Brazil, aren't we? Oh, yeah, yeah, Brazil yeah. for that one. Can't believe Portugal made it through. <laughs> Sounds like I've got something against them. I actually don't. I just think that the other teams of the group are good. <laughs> uh, Belgium v Spain. I think I would go Ooh. Spain. No, I don't know actually. No, I'm going to go Belgium. Oh, oh, I was I was so prepared to back you then, and then you've just U turned <laughs> and left me, left me here, left you Spain all on my own. Yeah, I'm going Belgium. Belgium, it is, and then the just. final round of sixteen game will be Uruguay v Serbia. I think I would go Uruguay for that. Yeah, that sounds like a seven red card. Yeah, that's <laughs> that'll be that'll be a that'll be a huge game. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd go Uruguay. Uruguay. Yeah, there we go. So, quarterfinals are Wales versus Argentina first up. Surely, oh. surely Wales can't upset the odds that much, can they? That's that sounds like such an incredible thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Wales God. versus Argentina. See, what we're doing now Lionel is Messi. we're getting everyone excited for the World Cup because this sounds incredible. We're yeah. already hyped. Lionel Messi against Wales. Wales standing in the way of Lionel Messi's <laughs> dream to win a World Cup. Whoever would have thought. Oh my god! It has to be Argentina, yeah, though, right? surely. Unless Matt, big Kiefer Moore against Alessandro <laughs> Martinez. I mean, that's a, that's a mismatch. Uh, <laughs> blimey! Have you seen how tall he is? Uh, no, we we'll got Argentina <laughs> on that one. Uh, Germany versus Brazil, a replay of the 2002 final. It, it'd have to be Brazil, I think. Brazil, it? but not by that scoreline. <laughs> Imagine oh, yeah. another seven-one. <laughs> yeah. Good lord. Brazil and then England versus like France. A revenge mission. Yeah, I mean this for me seems like where England say goodbye. Yeah, yeah, it's classic, France. right? Quarterfinals. Yeah. yeah, France and Belgium versus Uruguay. I'm going to stick with Belgium. Uruguay. I don't believe in Belgium. <laughs> I'm going Uruguay. All right, I'm outvoted on that one then. So Uruguay. I told you it's the Darwin Nunez World Cup. Three South American teams in the semi-finals. <laughs> They're so strong. Yeah. Yeah. So, an Argentina-Brazil semi-final. Oh, my God. that? This would be amazing. Jeez. Well, I've got Argentina to win the tournament, right? Yeah. So, I obviously I have to say Argentina. And I've got Brazil. And I've so also got Brazil, Brazil. So, yeah. Brazil on pens or something, I reckon, in, in that one. After oh. a, a thrilling game. Oh, and then the, the other semi is, is France-Uruguay. I, I would find it hard to imagine oh. Uruguay beating France, but you never know. See, logic for me would have France winning this against Uruguay and making it to the final. But then also, France could have been out four games prior to this 
in a group stage shenanigans and we could be talking about <laughs> Matt, you else didn't there. even have Uruguay getting out the group. Me, I did. I had Uruguay's top. Oh, right. Sorry, I think it I, might be me, but yeah. So, I thought, so, oh no. <laughs> yeah, Dan. I'm, I'm back at Uruguay all the way. Those who listen to the podcast regularly know they are my my dark horse favourites. I think, though, this may be a, a step too far in the semi-finals. I'd go for France. This would be France-Brazil final. This would be very conflicting for Antoine Griezmann, that final, wouldn't it? Given that he... Uh, some Uruguayan roots. So yeah, France-Brazil <laughs> yeah, final. Uruguayan. That would be oh my a word. very nice final. Well, I, well, I'm with the two of you. Then then I'm with the two of you and, and I'm going for Brazil. Yeah. So there we go. The 2022 World Cup winners will be Brazil for the sixth time in their history. You heard it here first. No point even watching the tournament now. Everybody. I know, yeah. yeah. We, as I said, we, we just saved everybody a lot of time yeah. for the next few weeks. <laughs> If you were thinking of boycotting the tournament for ethical reasons, then uh, there you go. Sorted. Easy. By the way, by the way, get, d- screenshot this, Dan, so we'll come back and review it once the World Cup's done on a, on a special episode. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll see how we did. Yeah. Let the record show that I, I, when Denmark are crowned World Cup winners, I thought they were going to get there from the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> those, uh, those great Danes. One more prediction before yeah. we wrap up today then. Who is going to win the golden boot at this World Cup, do we think? Bear in mind, Harry Kane won it at the last one, which uh, I think uh, he, he stat padded against yeah. Panama a bit, didn't he? But <laughs> he, Yeah, he penaltied his yeah. way to it. Yeah. Um, uh, Neymar for me. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, someone from Brazil or France, seeing how far they go in the tournament, Neymar does take penalties um, for Brazil. Um, he'll, he'll break Pele's Brazil record with two goals as well oh really wow mm. I think Antoine Griezmann and Kane can get the most penalties at a World Cup in, in World Cup history by scoring two in the tournament uh, but I'm going to go for Mbappe I think he's going to have another brilliant tournament I'm going to go Benzema uh, fitness permitting um, if France mm. get that far of course which they will because we've, we've mapped it all out there's no reason why they won't now uh, yeah. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> There we go. Well, that has actually got me in the mood for the World Cup. That's got me right fired up for it. So <laughs> I hope uh, I hope it's it's had the same. You're effect buzzing there. for Wales Argentina. Oh, I can't wait, mate! What a game! What a game that's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you to uh, Matt and Lewis for joining me on this uh, special preview podcast. We will be coming at you um, regularly with podcasts throughout the World Cup so stay tuned for those if you want to get in touch with us with any questions or queries or anything like that during the tournament remember the email address is podcast at onefootball.com enjoy Qatar Ecuador enjoy everything um, and uh, we'll catch you next time